The world of agriculture technology is vast and constantly evolving, with new innovations and companies emerging at a rapid pace. At AgTech Media Group, we understand the importance of staying updated and connected in this dynamic industry, and that's why we're thrilled to announce the launch of our new AgTech Company Directory, a comprehensive and user-friendly resource designed to help you navigate the complex landscape of AgTech innovators. More than just a list, it's a curated collection of companies leading the charge in transforming the AgTech sector from startups pioneering new farming methods to established companies adopting cutting-edge technologies. Our directory spans a wide range of leaders dedicated to advancing agriculture through technology. Whether you're a farmer looking for the latest in crop monitoring tools, an investor seeking promising ag tech startups, or a researcher interested in sustainable farming practices, ag tech directory is designed to cater to your specific needs. You can filter by sector, technology, size, or location to find exactly what you're looking for. To learn more and to claim your company listing, visit agtechcompanies.com. If you are starting a vertical farm and don't know where to begin or which technology would suit your needs, then reach out to the experts at Cultivated. As indoor farm brokers, they help connect you to the right technology and ensure your project is successful. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Visit cultivated.com to learn more. And that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com or click the link in the show notes. Before I actually started teaching, I really wanted to do this like kind of micro thing and like kind of travel around and actually learn from farmers, ranchers, and see what they're actually doing on a farm. But I, did, I didn't get a chance to do that. And so about the time that I started the podcast, I was like, well, you know what? Why don't I learn from like the experts? Like, why don't I see what a rancher in Texas is doing versus a rancher in Florida? Welcome to the Vertical Farming Podcast, weekly conversations with fascinating CEOs, founders, and ad tech visionaries. Join us every week as we dive deep into the world of vertical farming with your host, Harry Duran. Vertical Farming Podcast Season 7, regular listeners, welcome back. I'm grateful that you take the time to check out the show each and every week, and I've been really heartened by some of the recent ratings and reviews, which I'll read out in a couple of minutes and the feedback that I get on the social channels as well. It's really helpful. It's definitely a bit of work to put this together with my team, and I'm looking forward to see some folks in person at Indoor AgCon, which I'm getting ready for in a couple of days. If this is your first time listening, I'm sure you're in the right place, as this is the show where we interview fascinating CEOs and founders of the leading vertical farming companies from around the world. I'm your host, Harry Duran. In case you missed last week's episode, we had a great conversation with Caleb Wilkins, who I connected with at AgriMe in Dubai. He is the co-founder of Renaissance Ag, which is doing innovative work, creating consistent, reliable, and on-farm premium feed for livestock producers. And we had a nice conversation about the challenges of food independence and security with Caleb. High energy on that one. If you haven't checked that out, episode 85. This week... We do something a little different. I have a conversation with Trevor Williams. He's the podcast host of Farm Traveler. As you might imagine, when two podcasters who are in ag tech space get together, we cover topics ranging from vertical farming and regenerative agriculture to topics like cellular agriculture and food production for space exploration. On his show, Trevor interviews farmers, ranchers, and entrepreneurs from around the world, and they provide his audience with valuable insights and education about the industry. I think you'll love the energy on this. Again, something a little different than a CEO interview, but when Trevor reached out, I felt there was a great opportunity to talk a little bit about podcasting and what we're discovering from our conversations with these fascinating folks in the space. 
Really excited to read out a few interviews that have come in, one that I may have read out before, but I thought I'd read it again because of the author. It says, I have over the past two weeks binged every single episode. This is something I've been considering for some time, but found it hard to find info. Thank you for all the great information and contacts. Keep up the great work. And that's signed Trevor. So I'm thinking that might be Trevor himself who wrote this review, which is uh, fun timing and why I decided to read it out again for this episode, if I read it already. This is definitely a new one from The Real Krugen. He says, it's got all the goods, and he generously rated it five stars. I found this podcast after I had taken a job as the hydroponic research lab manager at high school. Our school recently purchased a container farm to to serve as a learning laboratory for students. And even though I have about a decade of traditional agricultural research, I didn't know much about the vertical farming space. Harry has been an excellent companion to having learning all there is to know about this industry. I've already used a lot of the information I gained from listening into my upcoming research class on CEA. The conversations are informative and thought-provoking, which is extremely beneficial for a lifelong learner tackling a new subject. I would highly recommend this podcast to anyone wanting to learn about vertical farming and the aspects of the industry. Just when you think you have a grasp of what is happening in the industry, boom, a new guest blows you away with what is happening now and what the future holds. Great podcast, and I look forward to each episode and pass them along to my students. Thanks for all the hard work you and your team are doing. It shows in each and every show. Matt, South Carolina Governor's School for Science and Mathematics. Well, I know that was a lot, but I really, really appreciate Matt taking the time to write that extensive review. It really warms up my heart, and I say that as I'm recording this in the middle of a snowstorm in Minnesota, so it's literally warming me up. Thanks again, Matt. I really appreciate that. If you would like your review read out on the air, which are which is always fun for me to do. Leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. Nothing gets me more excited than to read those out on the air. Before we jump into this uninterrupted conversation with Trevor, here are a few words from the folks that support this show. This episode is brought to you by Indoor AgCon 2023. I'm so happy to have been working with the team last year. Indoor AgCon 2022 was my very first indoor farming conference. So it was really eye-opening for me. So I'll always be grateful to the team there for rolling out the carpet for me. (laughs) And I really had a good time meeting a lot of past guests and excited to join them again this year. Entering its 10th year in a row, it's the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming and CEA, and it's returning to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on February 27th and 28th of 2023. Once again, they'll be co-located with the National Growers Association show as well, which is a really good fit for them. The conference keeps growing, and this year it's doubled in size. The expo floor now has more than 170 booths filled with new product resources and solutions to explore. You'll hear from experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and others in the field during this full-scale educational conference. As always, you'll be able to connect with peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners at their great networking events. I haven't even gotten to the best part. The team at Indoor AgCon has given listeners of this show 20% off their full access conference pass. All you have to do is use promo code VFP, as in Vertical Farming Podcast, and sign up at indoor.ag. See you there. This year, Vertiform takes place from September 26th through September 28th at the Exhibition Center in Dortmund, Germany. For those new to Vertiform, it's the most significant trade fair for next-level farming and new food systems. Their international platform is set to showcase the latest developments in innovative controlled production systems for vegetables, salad crops, herbs, and microgreens, 
as well as sustainable fish, insect breeding, fruit cultivation, and medicinal plants. VertiFarm is shaping the future of vertical farming and new food systems. Reserve your ticket and learn more at vertifarm.de. That's V-E-R-T-I-F-A-R-M dot D-E. Trevor Williams, host of the Farm Traveler podcast. Thank you for joining me on the Vertical Farming Podcast. Harry, thanks for having me, man. Excited to chat with you. I always love chatting with a fellow podcaster. Yeah, so this is a meta on several fronts because I started my podcasting journey in 2014 with my first show, Podcast Junkies, where I interview other podcasters, and then Vertical Farming Podcast in 2020. So now I'm coming back full circle because I'm now interviewing another podcaster about vertical (laughs) farming on the Vertical Farming (laughs) Podcast. Super meta, a podcast about a podcast on a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I love and what was interesting for me with that first show was I didn't really plan it that way, but when you're interviewing other podcasters, they have generally tend to have good gear and good sounds. (laughs) That's helpful. Yeah, that's the best part. I mean, they've got good microphones, headphones. They know like the best practices. Like I need a mute notifications on my computer, have a good microphone, have a good web camera. So yeah, I mean, it takes a little bit of that pressure off a little bit. Yeah, I'm always excited to have these types of conversations. I know the main focus of this show has been my journey in learning about vertical farming, everything CEA, and it's been fascinating. And I've been now, as we were just chatting in the green room, so to speak, about (laughs) some of the in-person conferences that I'm excited about that I've been to. I went to Indoor AgCon, Indoor AgTech NYC, and got to AgriMe in Dubai, courtesy of my current sponsor, Cultivated, who flew me out there in October. So that was a great experience. So it's just so interesting now to learn more and the industry is so exciting. So I'm I love having the opportunity to do something a little bit different than we normally do on this show and get your take on really, I want to hear about your experience and how, you know, you got into farming. So, you know, as far back as you want to rewind the clock, you know, maybe start with where you grew up and where's home now. Oh man, that's like one of the psychologist questions. Like it all started when I was born. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm from Florida, lived in Florida my whole life, grew up in a little town called Bluntstown, which is, we literally have two stoplights. But my first foray into agriculture farming, my grandpa, who lived right behind our house growing up, he had a catfish farm. And so like every couple of weekends, they would stay in the ponds, get the catfish, and they also Mm -hmm. raised like hybrid bass. And so that was kind of like my first foray into agriculture. And then I was super active in Future Farmers of America in high school, state officer here in Florida. And then I got an ag education degree from the University of Florida. I taught for two years. Had some fun. I taught in Daytona Beach, Florida, and actually the high school was like two miles from the Daytona 500, which was always kind of cool. It would be a little bit hectic about twice a year, but did that, decided on a career change, started doing software development, and then I kind of missed being an active part in agriculture. And my wife was like, hey, you should start a blog. And so I started the Farm Traveler blog in like 2017. And then that was about the time podcast started booming. So I was like, hey, let me start a podcast. So started it And I think 2018 or 2019, I think it was 2019, and I've interviewed farmers, ranchers, entrepreneurs all throughout farming, agriculture. I just love learning more about ag and kind of showcasing people that, you know, it's a lot more than cows, sows, and plows. Like there's so much technology, there's so many disciplines involved in it that when you show people, they're like, holy cow, like I didn't know that this industry is so evolved. And that's something I love learning about CEA. I mean, vertical farming has been booming the past couple of years. And you show people all the technology that's happening, that's developing right now, it like blows their mind. They're like, hold up, there are all these like rooftop gardens in New York, Chicago, Dubai that are 
you know, saving countless transportation miles or carbon emissions from transporting all the goods. So I think it's cool. And I can't wait to see kind of where it goes in the next five or 10 years. I think it's going to be absolutely wild. Yeah, it's really interesting as far as the journey for me, because the regular listeners will know that it started with a book called Abundance by Peter Diamandis that mm -hmm. a client had given me, which talked about, you know, technology in the future. And then Dixon Despomia's book was mentioned, which obviously I ordered right away, got through in like a day because it was such a short <laughs> book. So but I was like, whoa. And he's still on my to-do list. I, we did have a short email exchange. We have mutual acquaintances through some of the guests I've had on the show. So my goal for this year is to get him on because he's, he's you know, I feel like he's a, sort of like the godfather of vertical farming. <laughs> so that was interesting. Just a quick side note, based on where you grew up, you said you grew up in Daytona. So you've made it to the, you actually got, gone to see a Daytona 500 event? You know, I never did, unfortunately. <laughs> so I grew up in Blundstown. I moved down to Daytona to okay. teach. So I was there like two or three years, but I unfortunately never went. My apartment was honestly like a mile away from the racetrack. And what was yeah. weird, I could barely hear it. I mean, I thought I would hear really? like, you know, the racetrack and everybody. Yeah. The traffic was terrible, but I never actually heard the race, like the races and everything, which was kind of interesting. But, but yeah, like 50 weeks out of the year, totally normal. But the yeah. two weeks where you had the 500, <laughs> like another race later on in the year, I think it was wild. Like you couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. From what I've heard, the sound inside that stadium, wherever it's held is like deafening. It it's supposed to be like one of those once in a lifetime experiences, you know, you think about just watching cars go around the track, but I think it's the whole thing being there, I think is, is something to say. Yeah. The other thing that I remember from college is that Daytona was a popular spring break destination as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. So I live in Panama City now and it used to be like the college spring break capital. And now it's kind of the family spring break in summer oh, capital. Yeah. But Daytona was like the main hot spot like five or 10 years ago. So yeah, I mean, the Florida beaches, everybody loves the Florida beaches in the spring. I mean, for real. So you talked about your original interest, you know, in farming because you experienced with your grandfather and how you got started and then left and came back. And so what was it about what was happening in the world of farming that intrigued you to start to show, you know, because if you don't have any familiarity with podcasting or blogging, you know, it's a lot of blogging is a little bit easier. Obviously, you can just start writing with podcasting, you know, depending on when you started. Nowadays, there's a lot of tutorials online. So what made you go down that path to start having these conversations with folks? Yeah. So before I get actually started teaching, I really wanted to do this like kind of micro thing and like kind of travel around and actually learn from farmers, ranchers, and see what they're actually doing on a farm. But I didn't get a chance to do that. And so about the time that I started the podcast, I was like, well, you know what, why don't I learn from like the experts? Like, why don't I see what a rancher in Texas is doing versus a rancher in Florida or Montana or somewhere? And so I really just wanted to pick everybody's brains and see what they're doing, what works for them, what doesn't. Because I mean, there's like when it comes to consumers, they have a lot of thoughts about what actually goes on on the farm. And that's really what I wanted to gear the podcast towards, educating consumers on what goes on in agriculture. But what I learned is that a lot of farmers wanted to listen to the podcast because they wanted to see what other farmers are doing. They wanted to like, you know, share tips and tricks. They wanted to see what works in other operations. And so I really wanted to learn and then I kind of had this like mindset change like throughout the podcast where I'm not like I'm not trying to show everybody what I know about agriculture. Instead, I want to be a guide and just kind of learn alongside them and just kind of figure out, you know, let's ask the questions to the experts and see what's real and see what's not. And so it's been really eye opening. I mean, I've learned a lot about vertical farming, a lot about organic farming, why 
a lot of producers actually do both organic and conventional, which is something that I was very unaware of. And just kind of like, especially, I mean, the pandemic was huge because a lot of farmers pivoted to stay in business. And yeah. the ones that pivoted doing direct-to-consumer models were really successful, and they've kept that up since the start of the pandemic years ago. And so it's been, I thought I would kind of learn most of it in the first year or so, you know, like not a whole lot would change, but no two episodes are the same. No two farms are doing the same practices. So it's been a plethora of learning, which has been super fun, which I'm sure you've experienced as well, because yeah. you've covered a lot of episodes as well. <laughs> yeah. And so when you think about your audience, have you over the years of doing this show to put together like a vision in your mind of like who you're speaking to, or maybe based on the feedback you've gotten either through your socials newsletter or, you know, direct feedback? about the content of the episodes. Okay, so this will get meta from podcaster to podcaster, but you know, they always say like, come up with an avatar for your listener. And I think it's about 40% consumers, 60% farmers and ranchers. Right. Like that's kind of like a vague breakdown. I'm not sure about like the, you know, like the how many are male, female. I mean, I have that data for like Facebook and Instagram and stuff. For the podcast audience, I'd say about 40% consumers, 60% farmers. And the consumers are wanting to find farmers that they can buy from, that they can buy direct, whether it's within their state or they can order online. And farmers are wanting to learn like, oh, maybe they want to do direct beef sales, but they don't know how to do it. Maybe they are a conventional grower, but they want to, you know, venture into organic and they want to figure out why to do that. What are the hoops and balances that or the hoops they have to jump through and all that good yeah. stuff. So I would say that's kind of like the breakdown of the listeners. When I started the show, I was really a lot more vague. Like I was just like, oh, just people that want to learn about their food. But now yeah. I've kind of tried to focus it a little bit more on farmers that want to con or consumers and farmers that want to connect through direct to, to consumer products or even agritourism. Like they can go on a farm and tour it mm. and see what's going on. But yeah, I'd say that's kind of like the ideal listener that we have. It's always changing, but at least for right now in 2022 and 2023, that's who the listener is, I think. The agritourism is interesting because I'm seeing that now on the vertical farming side, you know, mm. either through virtual tours, which I got to experience IGS, Intelligent Growth Solutions had a booth. It was in Indoor Ag Tech NYC. Uh, I was chatting with Callum, who's on the team there, and he had me put on the VR. And so cool. we went in to their indoor space and you sort of, it was a bit unnerving <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you get that you're thrown off, like, you know, balance wise, because you've got the VR set and you get on the platform and it sort of like lifts you into like a, a small, like internal elevator. But it's interesting because you can see, like, you can look around, it's 360. So you get the experience of the LED lights. And so, you know, it's as close as you can get without having to actually be in the site. And it's still one of the things, you know, two years in that I have on my list to go see some of these farms in person. I'm going to have to do like a road show or something like that. You know, <laughs> I do get a taste for some of it now that I'm going to the conferences. I was at Agrame in mm -hmm. Dubai and they've got, you know, some of the setup so you can get a feel. You know, that's a pretty big conference. So you get a feel for what's happening there. So have you had, you know, an experience where you, you've been able to actually like connect with some of your previous guests or, or actually been to the farms as well? Yeah, so far we've done, I think about three or four like farm tours and I post them up on YouTube. And so far, they've all been people that we've had on the show. Luckily, it was Lava Loha, which is a chocolate farm in Hawaii. Legacy Greens, which is, I mean, a really good one that you might like to have on. They have a microgreens farm in Tallahassee, Florida. And so theirs was really cool. Went there, toured them, kind of saw how they did it. Another one was Sindel Farms in Mariana, Florida, and they're a dairy farm. So went there, toured them, 
we toured the dairy farm as well as their ice cream creamery that they have. So they produce their own milk, they turn it in ice cream, and it's, I mean, I'm a little bit biased, but their ice cream is phenomenal. They have like <laughs> 20, 25 flavors, and yeah. it was so, so good. But yeah, I mean, that's always super fun. But I've seen a lot of people online that have like video tours that you can just go to their website and they have like a video post where you can just kind of follow along very quickly. Even some VR tours, which I think are always like really, really cool. I mean, I wanted to talk about this because I think VR is super cool, but there was a study, I think like a year ago or something, where I think it was in Russia or somewhere, they gave their dairy cows VR glasses and the happiness levels like rose 20% in the cows or something like that. I don't know how wow. they track that, but it like the VR environment that the cows were in was like an open field or something, which was really cool. And so I thought that, you know, VR is not only transforming humans, like how we do business or how we tour stuff, but it can also transform livestock like i think that's going to be really wild so i thought that was cool you mentioned vr wanted to bring that i thought that was kind of cool. yeah well yeah we can go down one of those rabbit holes as well but it's interesting <laughs> so many questions because i'm like you have to like create custom goggles for the cow yeah exactly yeah i guess if you you know there's so many different ways to think about that you know both sides of the coin because you're like it's sad that you have to fake them into thinking that they're actually living a happy life on a pasture but you know like <laughs> Happy cows, less stressful meat, you know, none of those hormones make it in there. My partner and I have gone, for the most part, pescatarian, but we've recently mm. introduced meat from Hawaii, of all places, you mentioned Hawaii, and there's a company called Maui Nui, based in, on Maui, and there's an overpopulation of deer, I forgot what kind mm. of deer it is, but they've overrun like a part of the island, so now what they've done is they've set up like, so they sell the venison from there. And what happens is these deer, they live like a full life. And then they have marksmen like snipers basically on the premises. And so one shot down. So there's no like, you know, being fed through a lot and the stress yeah. and the hormones and all that sort of, because you know, they've demonstrated that those fear hormones like make their way into the animal. And so it's really interesting. They dress the deer on site, like on the grounds, and then they flash freeze them. And then you can order a box of it. You know, it's not the cheapest, but it's an interesting way to like get back into like, you know, eating meat. And I'll tell you, I mean, it's normally when I've tried venison in the past, it's a bit gamey, but now mm -hmm. this is almost like you really don't have to cook it. It's like medium rare at most medium and it's absolutely delicious. So it's really kind of like opened my eyes to the possibilities and stuff like that. It's called Maui Nui and they've got a whole plan for how they're culling the population. And they sent this really they send you these newsletters every month about like what's happening on the farm and what's happening, you know, really keep you updated. So it's one of those, you know, when you have the connection to the food you're eating, I think it's pretty yeah. fascinating. So that's pretty interesting for me. Yeah, that's something that I love, like connecting, whether it's, you know, just like normal produce, fruit or animal proteins, like connecting to it is so cool. You can figure out like, hey, I know the farmer that raised this cow. Like I can yeah. ask him phone call, Instagram or whatever, like just send him a message like, hey. How do you raise your animals? Like, can I yes. view and see how you yeah. do it? I mean, it's so cool. You're taking that like anonymity out of it where you're not having to guess. You're not, well, I hope this was raised, you know, sustainably, regeneratively, whatever else yeah. there is. You can figure that out and you can support it, which I think is awesome. Like, and like you can support great venison from Hawaii. I think that's awesome. I mean, I wish that more and more people would do that. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. And then last comment on the VR for the listener, <laughs> we'll move on to like farming stuff. We recently just caved in and my partner had first gotten the Oculus VR, the Oculus 2. She had it for a bit and she's like, oh, you should get one. And I, I kind of like poo-pooed it and I was like, no, I don't want to get lost in that world. I've got enough connection with technology, but it's interesting. The fitness apps oh. have been game changing. So there's like one called FitXR, there's one called Supernatural where you're outdoors. And what happens is 
you've got the goggles on and you've got the handsets and it's they're boxing games. And so uh, okay. I just did a workout this morning. I kid you not, if you do 10 minutes of boxing and uppercuts, like everything, the whole, they walk you through it and they can detect your motion through the motion sensors of the handles or whatever they call controllers. I'm telling you, Trevor, like I'm sweating and the next day I'm sore, like in my pecs. <laughs> and then they have stuff coming at you. So you have to squat or move. And if you do the, like, then this is the beginner ones. They have intermediate and advanced. Oh, um, shoot. Okay. I've done like a 15 or 18 minute one. I'm sweating, sweating <laughs> by the time I'm done. And I'm sore like the next day, just because if you think about it, it's the movements. And if you, oh, if yeah. you go all out, it really has changed my perspective on it. And it's just interesting how like you could just do games where you just sit in your couch and just kind of like mindlessly going through. So there's a great Tetris game, by the way. <laughs> just like if you're old school, like me and you love Tetris, there's a new version that's immersive that's amazing with amazing music so like, oh that's cool i bet that's trippy but i bet that's really fun though. it I'm, is because like you've got the immersive sound and it's like the first time you put them on and you look <laughs> around and you're in a room and it's 360 it's really jarring so it's just one of those things that like always want to be well versed about technology that's happening mm -hmm. i'm going down like a chat gpt rabbit hole now because i'm just like whoa ai is like so there's so many things that are happening and i just i feel like if you don't keep up with it you know, in five to 10 years, like, it's just like technology that's happening, it's going to be in the way we normally do things like we've mentioned VRs now in farms and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see what's happening. And we'll get back now to the subject of farming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's crazy. I have a buddy that introduced me to some AI stuff. I wrote in like a template like, oh, hey, like, tell me about some meat alternatives. And it yeah. wrote this very detailed paragraph. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, my gosh, this is much better than anything I could ever write. Like, it's crazy to think yeah. about what it's going to be in a couple of years. I mean, it's already really good. It's already pretty I mean, nuts. Yeah. Yeah. A little dangerous, but good. From a podcasting perspective and also from a writing perspective, I'm in this new, I've joined this cohort called Ship 30 for 30. It's run by a couple of guys who focus on digital writing. So writing for mm. the internet, writing for Twitter and writing for, you know, blogs and stuff. So it's been a great experience the challenge is to write an, what they call an atomic essay, 250 words, every day for 30 days. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm in day 11 today, so it's been interesting. Like on top of everything else I've got on my plate, just churning out one of these a day and posting it across all my socials. So that's been a great experience to kind of work that writing muscle, which I think is something that's been helpful for me. I write a blog post, a newsletter once a week, every Saturday. And so I think for this year, in terms of goals, just kind of getting better. Because I've always been podcasting because I was like, hey, I'm better at talking than just writing. And now what I've come to realize is like, now that I've like, I'm familiar with podcasting, long form interviews, I've had over 310 on my first show, closing in on 80 with this show. And so it's really a, it's just a different skill set, you know, to learn. And just, I like this idea of just always learning, just being the eternal student, I think has, has been fascinating and, and part of like the reason why I started this show as well. Oh yeah. I always think about it like, you know, the different learning modalities like auditory, visual, kinesthetic, yes. like podcasting is great for any auditory learner. But if you have somebody that wants to learn via reading, like have a newsletter or something like, I think it's yeah. a great way to address all of those different learning modalities. Yeah. I mean, I do blog posts every now and then. And every time I write them, I'm like, man, I wish I would have paid more attention in English class. Like I wish I would have paid better attention on how to write better cohesive stories, essays, and all that good stuff. But I mean, there's so many things out there, like you're saying, like that 30 for 30 challenge and YouTube videos and countless other things and courses and stuff that you can take. But yeah, it's always good practice. I mean, I feel like we can always learn how to tell better stories, whether that's podcasting or writing or whatever that is. Yeah. And it's one of those skills that I've just come around to realizing how important it is, you know, for your whole life, like the basis of being able to communicate effectively with people. You know, even if for the, anyone who's listening, just 
being able to, whether you're in a nine to five or you're an entrepreneur or just communicate ideas to your boss about like why you should be getting a raise or like why you deserve the promotion or communicating to an audience that you're trying to sell to or market to or communicating to your spouse, like all yeah. these things, it, it's interesting. And what I've seen is it, it serves as the basis for everything else I want to do. So I've been testing out reading out the blog post on YouTube, just to the camera, mm -hmm. I just read it out and then I just do a quick edit. So it's now I just focus on creating that one piece of content every Saturday and then I can generate tweets from there, a LinkedIn post, a Medium post, a Twitter thread, you know, a YouTube I mean, if I wanted to do short videos like the IG Reels, I'll just read out the tweet or I just read out the bullet points. It's, it's been fascinating. And if you think about the stuff that's shared on Instagram, a lot of times it's quotes. <laughs> it's a visual platform where people are sharing writing. So it's really been interesting for me to kind of like look at that aspect as well. Hey, I mean, all content is good content wherever it is. I mean, you're just putting that stuff on the internet. Everybody can find you. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. for a podcast, like it's weird marketing a podcast because you want to market it everywhere, but everybody's yeah. listening on podcasts. So you've got to have your marketing on podcasts and guest on other podcasts, be on other podcasts and all that good stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I always remind uh, folks on my show, on the other show, and even for the clients we work with through the agency, like the best place to find a podcast listener is on another podcast. Yeah. So there's people who are listening to this right now and be like, oh, Farm Traveler, I've never heard it. And so I'll recommend that you pause right now, whatever app you're using to listen to this interview with Trevor and myself and look up Farm Traveler on your favorite podcast app. And then hopefully you'll get some new listeners as a result of that. <laughs> hey, perfect. That's a good segue to, I like that. I'm going to have to use that one day in like the middle of an interview, like, hey, pause right now, go check yes. this out, go check yeah. out this guest and then come back. What I love about this format and what I love about this specific episode is it's the beauty of podcasting. For me, it's conversational. I've mm -hmm. always enjoyed it from the time I first started. You know, I had my list of questions in the beginning when I first started, like every podcaster does. And then you quickly realize, like, if they're just, you know, closed ended questions, like, what's your favorite book or, you know, what's your spirit animal? <laughs> you know, like you yeah. ask those and then like, once you get through them, you're like, if you don't have any way to continue the conversation, you get a lot of dead air. And I just realized very quickly, it should always feel like the listener is there with us. And they've, like, they've pulled up a bar stool and we're just having a conversation and they're just sitting there listening. I always remind people there's three people in a podcast conversation. There's the host, there's the guest, and then there's the listener. Mm. And I always refer to it as listener, you, listener singular, who's listening with Trevor and myself now, because there's one person listening to your show at a time. You know, I think when podcasters first get started, they think they're on stage and they're like, hey, everyone. Yeah. And it's not, it's just a really intimate medium. So if you had to think about, you know, looking back at you when you started the show and your objectives for why you started the podcast, and think about now, present day, if you think about what's a couple of things that come to mind, if you have to think about or identify some of the best things that have happened because of you starting the show? I would say, I mean, kind of going off of what you were talking about, where, you know, podcasts are, it's a good conversation. I think just some of the relationships that I've built because of podcasting, whether it's with different podcasters or guests that I've had on the show, I think that's been super fun, like just kind of making those connections. I mean, I've gotten a lot of like free stuff from farmers like hey try our chickens i got one of our one of my past guests he has an organic farm in california and he sent us two organic chickens to try like whole chickens and i was oh, like wow. this is so nice like you did not have to do this thank <laughs> you so much but i mean just building those relationships where those people like trust me to try something and to give like an honest opinion for it i think is awesome and i mean even jason meadows has another podcast out there in the ag world it's called ag state of mind and his is all about kind of like the mental focus or dealing with the mental stress of being a farmer or rancher and like different tools and stuff. And just 
I'm not a farmer or rancher, but just listening to that, listening to those stories has been awesome and connecting with him and just kind of talking. I've had him on the show. He's been on my show. And so honestly, I would say those relationships have been like really phenomenal. And I would say like kind of more so than, I mean, you know, as a podcaster, like download numbers are everything, but I really value those relationships and just kind of having those conversations with people. And I think that's really fun. I try to tell that on the show, like, hey, this show is all about like building relationships. Like, I hope this show connects you with the farmer that you can relate with, that you can identify with, that you can, you know, talk to, that you can support. And so I think, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's really all that matters, just relationships with everybody. And I think that's been one of the really cool things that kind of has developed because of this show. Yeah, I will wholeheartedly agree. I've been really happy to see how that experience is translated to the real world. The first conference last year was Indoor Icon in Las Vegas in February. And I was a bit anxious because I was like, I've just been having these virtual conversations. I'm very comfortable in the podcasting world, but in the indoor farming world, I was like, I got to see some of my guests, my previous guests in person. Caroline, we were talking about her. And it was just interesting to see how many folks just are relatable. And it was just fun to shake someone's hand and just like engage with people. And so that sort of broke the ice. And it's interesting to, this always happens with podcasting because they're like, oh, Harry, I love your show. Like, like yeah. I've been listening and it's like, or they recognize, someone mentioned that they recognize my voice, which gets a bit weird sometimes when you're there. And I got to hang out with the folks from NetLed as well. And I was in the booth, I was talking to Nico, the CEO, he had been on the show uh, before. And someone who was on this team was standing next to me and she's like, she turned over and she's like, when you heard me talking, she's like, Harry, the podcast. She's like, oh my God, you know, because <laughs> she heard me talking and it it was really interesting. So just having follow-up conversations, then I had a great time in Directech and I see so many people there. And then the great thing about it is I, I see all these new companies. Mm, and so I'm like, yeah, I yeah. had a lot of follow-up conversations already on the show from people that I've met there. And then, you know, always eternally grateful to all the sponsors that have been on the show or that have supported the show, IGS, Series Greenhouse Solutions, Freight Farms, Cultivated. I think it's important as a podcaster you know, to always recognize that like they're really like the lifeblood, like you said, the, the farm that sent you those chickens. It's just like mm -hmm. always an opportunity because we have this platform to just, you know, really share the word about the people that we're coming into contact with and that we're having great experiences with. I think that's helpful because it gives the listener sort of like educates them on what else is out there, who's doing good stuff and, and who should I be paying attention to? Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, and I love that you know, how focused podcasts can be and build like a huge audience. I mean, like your show, Vertical Farming, like that's a huge industry that obviously a ton of people want to learn about. And I mean, it's so great that because podcasts, you can really focus on that niche. You can really dive at it and you can build a lot of relationships, have a huge audience because a lot of people share that same interest, that mutual interest of vertical farming, like what the industry is now, what it can be in five or 10 years, different technology that different companies are offering. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think podcasts are awesome. We're a little bit biased here, but I yeah. think they're great. <laughs> so when did CEA Indoor Farming come on your radar? When did you start becoming aware of you know, what was happening in the space? So in college, I had several plant science classes. And I took one where I really learned about hydroponics. And I thought it was like super cool. I was like, wait, you can grow plants in the water? Like, this is really cool. And so I did a couple of experiments with that. And then when I eventually started teaching, we had a greenhouse and it was like a small little greenhouse, but we had an ebb and flow hydroponic system that we raised with tilapia. And that was super cool. I was like, this is really neat. I love this sort of stuff. Let me look into it more. And so I started to learn more about, you know, the different vertical farming systems that are out there. I bought this really cool 
goldfish tank that had like a little you could grow like mint cilantro mm. and stuff like herbs different herbs on top and that was really cool and then just to learn about all the different like consumer systems that are being made and then slowly learning about different companies like gotham greens aero farms that you know were growing huge amounts of plants inside in huge urban areas and so just learning more about that i thought it was really cool so when i started teaching it was right before kind of the led shockwave where you know it used to be these really big bright bulbs that were super expensive and that's what we had at the school and then when i started getting some home kits leds were everywhere and so that kind of transformed it and i was like oh my gosh like is this like is everything changing with the cea world and then i started producing another podcast about a year and a half ago but it didn't really get off the ground after like three episodes but it was focused on all the different cea companies out there specifically for ones targeted towards space and I thought that was super cool. Like all the different environments that are being created, like different habitats for the moon, the Mars, even the International Space Station and the growing food in space, which I think is super cool. Yeah. And so, I mean, CEA is just, you know, growing food indoors, but it's so much more than that. I mean, there's sure. so, every company is doing it their own unique way. I thought about this when I was trying to think of some good talking points to bring up today, because, you know, a good podcaster is always a good <laughs> podcast guest on a podcast. Yeah. Companies like Aero Farms working with people like Bell Labs to develop drones that can fly around the indoor growing areas to monitor yeah. stuff. Like, I think that's so cool. Like, you yeah. think that, you know, we always hear that technology is going to replace jobs, but now we have more jobs, like jobs to develop those drones, jobs to work the drones in the CEA environment. Like, I think that's so cool. And so there's so much going on. And I think really it's just kind of scratching the surface. Yeah, I think to that point, yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we talked about AI earlier and, and a lot of people are, you know, the first, when the first wave hits, creators are really like, you know, feeling that I think, you know, mm -hmm. there's another tool called mid journey where you can create images and people are going crazy with that. And so a lot of creators and designers are just like, well, so it's almost like, where do you find your place in this new world? Because it's not going to slow down. It's just going to get faster. Like writers now you're writing or a proofreader, even yeah. Google is shaking in their boots with what OpenAI is doing with ChatGPT because to be honest, people are searching for stuff now in ChatGPT as opposed to Google. I literally have a tab open now in ChatGPT and if I had a question about something, I'll ask it there in the meantime. And then, so then you mentioned the drones and the cameras and the sensors to see, I think uh, what I heard recently was cameras to detect how quickly the plants are ripening, specific strains of like bugs and pests and uh, diseases that you can detect visually or through a heat signature. So, I mean, and because the drones are getting smaller, they can operate in these small indoor farms. I saw something about like using drones to help bees pollinate or like having the oh, pollination yeah. done. It's so weird. I mean, it's getting pretty, some of it a bit black mirror-ish, but, <laughs> but I don't think we, and to, it's almost like a finger in the dike to think that there's not going to be some way in which, you know, AI is going to be touching, obviously farming. You've seen it with like the satellite controlled uh, farming gear, GPS controlled and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's so interesting to see and putting that to use. And I think it is for the benefit of what we're trying to solve, like, you know, all the conversations I'm having, and I'm sure you're having about like, these challenges we're having about feeding the world and access to local food and supply chain issues and food deserts. And there's so many challenges that need to be addressed 
related to the future of food. And I keep saying it's an all hands on deck moment. Yeah. I mean, you think about like the AI that's being developed for like self-driving tractors, or there's a, a bunch of companies, which I think we've interviewed on the show. I can't remember, but they have AI where they're developing different traits for different plants. And so they can grow in different environments. They can grow with, I mean, they're not technically GMOs, but we're figuring out better ways to develop them and grow them so they can grow without a certain number of resources so they can grow quicker, faster, have more like, you know, like larger fruits, larger vegetables and stuff like that. And yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of where that happens. I mean, maybe we can develop some sort of AI where, you know, it takes into account every single farm, every single processing facility, and it routes out the, it maps out like the perfect route, the perfect shipping route where there's like so much less waste or something like that. I don't know. Like it's going to be, it's going to be wild. That is interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just a limitation of the current models. I think chat GP3, Mm -hmm. 3.5 has information that it's been fed up until 2021. I think that's the data set or something like that, but it's just a matter of time. And I've seen images of like what the chat four model is going to look like, and it's exponentially like more data. And so to your point, I think like figuring out things like that, like how do we address like the supply chain issues or what's the shortest path to getting food to people? And how do we do that tracing? So people feel more comfortable about where their food is grown. And I think there's a lot of challenges to be faced, but a lot of problems that can be solved. What has you excited about the farming industry in terms of like, how do you think about like, who do you want to have conversations with? And obviously as a podcaster, it's always nice when you can have a conversation with someone and look forward to it because it's a topic that's near and dear your heart. Oh yeah. I love learning about the people that have gone the direct to consumer route because they're completely shaking up the industry. I mean, for example, instead of a rancher just raising cattle and then sending it off to a feed yard and then it gets processed and then sold and then they get a little bit of money back. They are basically raising the cattle, and then they've got to find a local processing unit and then process it there, and then they can sell it, whether it's through a local business or they can sell it themselves. I mean, they are really shaking up the whole distribution model. I mean, the whole food supply chain, which I think is awesome because when they do that, not only does the consumer get what I think is a better product, a more local product, a fresher product. The farmer is also getting a little bit more money, which I think is huge. I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter if you're in CEA or whatever kind of farm you have, like you're not getting super duper rich off of it by any means. And so if you can profit just a little bit more by going the direct to consumer route, I think that's great. And then you can also build those relationships, which I think are phenomenal. And so I've interviewed several people. Boyd Farms is one that's here in North Florida and South Georgia. And there it's an old... State Senator Alan Boyd, he's got a farm and they started doing the direct to consumer and they're, they've kind of exploded in terms of popularity. And so I love learning from them just kind of why they did it, how they did it, because it seems that even all the direct to consumer businesses do it completely different. I've interviewed another one called Rep Provisions, Honest Bison, Crowd Cow, a bunch of other ones that are doing it totally different and they're doing Mm -hmm. their own spin on it. Some offering Wagyu, some offering Bison. And so I think that's always really cool. I think that's kind of the trend. I haven't really seen it in terms of like produce, fruits, vegetables, stuff like that. But I'm assuming something like that can happen. I mean, when you look at states like Florida, for example, we grow a lot of cucumbers, squash, strawberries, watermelon, like maybe they can come together, have some sort of a co-op when Mm. they're sending out their produce. It's a subscription model or something like that, at least locally. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Have you seen the conversation shift with, you know, the topic maybe of climate change and just how variations in the weather, this was something that was really eye-opening for me when I went to Dubai and, you know, 
we're in the middle of a desert. There's trees and palm trees and, you know, green plants throughout the city. But what's interesting is when you look at the base of the tree, there's like hoses running. So everything, mm -hmm. everything needs to get irrigated. And then the next question is like, where's this water coming from? <laughs> like, is it desalinization plants? And obviously there's a ton of money out in, in the Middle East in specifically UAE. And so there's no shortage of ways to, creative ways to come up with how to get this stuff working. But what's really interesting is just because it's such, I think they get 90% of their food imported in that mm. region. And so that's the extreme case, but you know, I'm seeing it here in Minneapolis, just like, you know, where normally we get like below zero temperatures and we had a bit of a cold spell, but like this week has been unseasonably warm. And so it's interesting as we think about all these different impacts to climate, I'm wondering as farmers think about this, are they thinking more about CEA options or are they exploring those as well? Yeah, I've seen kind of a, well, kind of both from the consumer and farmer perspective, like more focus on sustainability and regenerative ag. Like a, a lot of consumers are now asking, like five or 10 years ago, it was like, hey, is this organic or not? Now it's like, is this regeneratively raised or is this sustainable? I mean, a lot of farmers, again, kind of talking here in Florida, we've had a lot of hurricanes the past couple of years. And some people are like, is that because of climate change or is that because of Earth's natural processes? Like, what are some steps that we can do to help mitigate that and to help control that? And so, I mean, there's a lot of things like water control. We've got to check on how much water we're using. I know a lot of that in terms of, for example, when we talk about livestock and beef, a lot of people are saying like, we need to switch to alternative proteins because beef is using a lot of water. And then a lot of experts say, well, like 90% of that water is because of rain water runoff. So it's water that we wouldn't necessarily use. There is going to be a small percentage, like 10, 15%, but it just kind of varies. But I would say a lot of people are starting to recognize that more. And even again, here in Florida, our Florida Farm Bureau has a program called This Farm Cares, and you get like recognition for doing all these environmental conscious practices like saving water, making sure the ecosystem to your farm is focused on the local ecosystem and making sure that you're not disturbing anything like wildlife, natural grasslands and stuff like that. And so I think this whole trend of sustainability is kind of going everywhere. Like it's kind of impacting the environment and people are saying that, you know, CEA can help out traditional agriculture and traditional agriculture can help out CEA. Like if you're in an urban area, I think CEA is going to be perfect to help get you those locally grown produce to help with offsetting carbon emissions from transportation and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think it's cool that more consumers and more farmers are slowly like paying more and more attention to sustainability and regenerative and like, hey, we're having an impact on the environment. Let's try to mitigate it. Let's try to fix it. Let's try to reduce the impact that we're having. So as you think about this upcoming year and planning out the guests that you want to have on the show, the topics you want to cover, obviously, you know, with a title like Farm Traveler, it's a broad range. So, you know, from a podcasting perspective, it's helpful to kind of think about your audience and which content people are resonating with. So have you given some thought to what the plan looks like for the rest of this year and in terms of like, what would success look like for the show? And what are some conversations you want to start having with folks? Yeah, I'm trying to plan out, I want to do about at least quarterly, like more farm tours and post them up on YouTube and do like short little reels and Facebook videos and stuff like that. Because I think that's super fun, like actually going there and like, you know, being farm traveler. I didn't touch on this, but farm traveler, the name came from my favorite show on Travel Channel called Booze Traveler. Okay. And the host, Jack Maxwell, would travel around the world, travel around different states here in the U.S., and he would like highlight local spirits, like local liquors and the story behind them and stuff like that, which I thought was cool. And I was like, you know, what? I kind of want to do that, but for farming, for agriculture. 
And so I want to do more like at least quarterly farm tours, put those up on the podcast as well, and then really interview kind of more people focused on agritourism and direct-to-consumer models and give people like, hey, if you want to go and tour here, here's what you can do. If you want to try their products, here's what their products are, and here's how you can order it, and you can get it in you know, two or three days. It doesn't really matter where you are. And so I think that'll be huge. I'm trying to focus. Last year, I wanted to focus on numbers. I was like, I want to hit X amount of downloads, X amount of followers. But this year, I'm like, not worrying about that. I'm yeah. going to focus on the content and focus on like, you know, trying to serve the audience a little bit more. And so I think just kind of focusing more on the direct-to-consumer model, agritourism, and also some cool innovations that are being made in ag, also kind of highlighting on that too. Are there a couple that stand out for you? Oh man, like innovations or just guests yeah. or? Innovations, yeah. You know, I'm a geek when it comes to space stuff. And so I really want to talk about like satellite imaging. I can't remember the name of them. I follow them. Oh, Intercellular Labs. That's the name of them, I believe. I want to interview somebody from Intercellular Labs and learn about how we're going to grow food on Mars, on the moon. Because when it comes to, I mean, shipping stuff to space is very, very expensive. And so mm -hmm. if we're going to live on the moon, if we're going to live on Mars or the International Space Station for a while, we're going to have to grow our food and save a lot of that shipping weight. And so I think that'll be cool to kind of learn how hydroponics, how aeroponics are going to work in yeah. those environments. And so I want to interview somebody from there very, very soon. I think I have some contacts from Interstellar Labs. I'm going to try to like, hey, I want to chat with you guys, please. And so I think that'll be cool. I interviewed the daughter of the owner of White Oaks Pastures in Georgia, and they're huge. The guy that owns it, the dad, was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of mm. weeks ago. And that one was huge. Like He's very into regenerative farming, sustainability, and all that stuff. And so I kind of want to have a repeat episode and maybe try to have him on the show and talk to him yeah. and eventually tour it because I looked it up. I'm only like four hours away from him, which I was very surprised. Okay. So I like, really want to go there and visit and tour him and actually see what's going on. So that's just, I don't know, kind of scratching the surface about maybe what 2023 can offer. I had a great conversation with Naduan Hinayaka. He's the CEO of Gaia Australia, and they're working with NASA to kind of test out some farming in space. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I really want to learn more about how that's going to go down. And I mean, even I'm sure there's companies out there, but I want to learn more about like how we're going to like raise fish, for example, because I think that's like the most efficient protein that we can grow that's like animal based. And so mm -hmm. I mean, like for one pound of feed, you give a fish, it's going to put on one pound of body mass. And so mm -hmm. obviously, we can ship little fish, like I think that's going to weigh a little bit less than like shipping a big old cow. But I mean, eventually we got to figure <laughs> out how we can enjoy a steak on Mars. So we got to figure yeah. that out too. There's that whole cellular agriculture movement as well, which is it's so funny because it's a podcast where I'm like, wow, you could literally start a show. And I think I even grabbed the domain. It might have expired by now, but cellular <laughs> agriculture podcast. Because I was just like, this is fascinating. Like every protein you can imagine has been grown now in a lab, like shrimp, obviously fish, meats, you know, so it's almost that interesting base, you know, there's the actual protein from the animal. There's the plant-based protein, which has kicked off its own wave of stuff too, mm -hmm. right? And then there's the cellular. So it's like the taste. And some of these, I read the Future Food or Food Hack newsletter, which is fascinating to see all the funding going in from all these companies about like Unami grade sushi mm -hmm. that's grown in a lab. And it's got the same taste, same marbling, same everything without the, you know, impact of overfishing. So it's, we're living through some interesting times, I'll tell you that much. And so there's so much happening. And so it seems like we're both well poised. 
to see, you know, what the future is going to look like in the world of farming. So it's really exciting times. Oh yeah. It's definitely going to change. I mean, it'll be cool to kind of see where it goes. And I interviewed a guy, he's got a show called future food podcast, I think. And they talk okay. about cellular agriculture. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's, it's wild. It's tuna, it's fish, yeah. but it's not, but it is like, just, I mean, I heard somebody say this like 10, 15 years ago and they were like really on point. They're like, imagine in your kitchen, you know, you've got your stove, your microwave, you've got your fridge, and now we've got Instapot, air fryers, everything. Well, imagine if you have a 3D printer in there that if you want a steak, you can print yeah. it and it's going to be a legitimate steak. It's going to be gonna a legitimate burger. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's going to taste just like the real thing. I think it's crazy to say, but I think we're not too super far off from that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be wild. And then you connect it to your chat GPT instance, and you basically just, you give it a text instruction to be like, hey, can you please prepare dinner tonight? And I'd like some steak, a cellular grown steak, medium well, with some farm, you know, with some organic rice and some of the lake. And it's going to basically figure out what to do, where to go, what to order, what to prepare with yeah. your 3D. It's the Jetsons, you know, but most of the Jetsons stuff, I think, has already happened. So yeah, I think that's a good comparison. It's the Jetsons. I mean, we can essentially, maybe in the future, print like a full five-star Michelin oh, yeah. dinner in oh, yeah. our kitchen without leaving yeah. it. I mean, I think that'll be wild. It'll be cool. Yeah. It'll be wild. So that seems like a good pausing point to let the listener digest and you know obviously we can always pick this up in a future discussion i really appreciate you taking the time to reach out and connect as a fellow podcaster always interested to see what others are doing in this space i'm grateful that we were able to share your story and learn how you got into the space which i always think is fascinating and inspiring so i really thank you for coming on the show yeah thanks for having me harry always a pleasure chatting with another podcaster and i love listening to your show learning about you know, all this going on in vertical farming. I think you're doing a great job. I mean, obviously you've Appreciate got like it. the best podcast in the industry. So thank you. Yeah. Great chatting with you. So when folks, obviously farm traveler on anywhere you listen to podcasts and make sure you do that. Anywhere else you want to send folks to connect with you in the show? Yeah. If they want to check out our website, it's just thefarmtraveler.com. And of course, if you go on social media, I'm super active on Instagram and Facebook, nothing else cool. really, but just look up farm traveler and you'll find us there. Yeah, our website, thefarmtraveler.com. It's got links for all that stuff. And like any good podcast host, I'll make sure that for the listener, all those links will be available in the show notes as well. <laughs> hey, perfect. Yeah. You got to make it as easy as possible for yes. the listener. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for your time, Trevor. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks again to Trevor for coming on the show and sharing his podcasting journey and also the overlap that we have between our shows and how honored we've been to have these conversations on this topic. By all means, make sure you subscribe and follow his show, Farm Traveler. Full show notes available for this episode and all past episodes at verticalfarmingpodcast.com. They include summaries, timestamps, key takeaways, and any resources mentioned in the show. Make sure you check those out. Special thanks to our Season 7 title sponsor, Cultivated. If you're looking to a vertical farm and don't know where to start or which technology would suit your needs, reach out to them today. Best of all, their service is free because they work on behalf of their partners. Learn more at cultivated.com, and that's spelled C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-D.com. Just leave out that last E. This episode is brought to you by Indoor AgCon 2023. I'm so happy to have been working with the team last year. Indoor AgCon 2022 was my very first indoor farming conference. So it was really eye-opening for me. So I'll always be grateful to the team there for rolling out the carpet for me. <laughs> and I uh, really had a good time meeting a lot of past guests and excited to join them again this year. Entering its 10th year in a row, 
It's the largest trade show and conference for vertical farming and CEA, and it's returning to Caesars Forum Conference Center in Las Vegas on February 27th and 28th of 2023. Once again, they'll be co-located with the National Growers Association show as well, which is a really good fit for them. The conference keeps growing, and this year it's doubled in size. The expo floor now has more than 170 booths filled with new product resources and solutions to explore. You'll hear from experts, including CEOs, growers, investors, and others in the field during this full-scale educational conference. As always, you'll be able to connect with peers, grocers, and other potential new business partners at their great networking events. I haven't even gotten to the best part. The team at Indoor AgCon has given listeners of this show 20% off their full access conference pass. All you have to do is use promo code VFP, as in Vertical Farming Podcast, and sign up at indoor.ag. See you there. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Learn more about how a podcast can be beneficial for your brand at fullcast.co. And as a reminder, if you're enjoying this show or past shows, leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. I'd be more than happy to read those out on future episodes. Tune in next week for my conversation with another fascinating leader from the world of CEA. It's Emiliano Gutierrez from Raiz Farms. Until we meet again, here's to your health. Thanks for listening. To read the full show notes for this episode, which includes any links mentioned in the episode, as well as a full show transcription, visit verticalfarmingpodcast.com. There, you can sign up for our email list to be notified when new episodes are published.